we're here with two Englishmen and an Australian not discussing the World Cup and the Rugby World Cup. And surprise, surprise, the Argentine hasn't bothered to turn up. Uh, welcome to Hundred Pod. Seba's wife is unwell this evening, which is why he's not here. So, Diana, if you're listening, we hope you get well soon. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and as usual, when Seba's not here, because he usually is, I'm joined by the two Dams, Australian, or Colasimone, and English, or Edwards. You can remember the latter, because his nationality begins with the same letter as his surname, for those of you who are particularly stupid. Start off by insulting our listeners. Yeah, that's alienated. No, well, our listeners aren't, aren't stupid people at all, which is why I felt safe saying it. I don't think that's alienated any of them. It could spell um, Dan's surname wrong as well. It stands for kangaroo. It could do. Yeah, yeah. Quite severely wrong, you know. Yeah. Or just go after the Spanish surname. Yeah. yeah. We've got options. No, that's, that, that's very true. You're in real trouble telling us apart. Just think of that. Yep, yeah, absolutely. My surname doesn't begin with the same letter as anything. Well... <laughs> Nothing I can think of that's to do with my nationality, anyway. Um, <laughs> in Spanish, it doesn't. No, no, not that. Um, anyway, this podcast already descended into <laughs> silliness. We've only had two sips of fun at each so far. Um, <laughs> we do, probably this evening, by the time this goes online, um, I imagine I'll be getting it online for Wednesday. Uh, we've, we've got a, a massive football match coming up, one of the biggest matches in the international calendar. Huge. It's Argentina C against Brazil B, yeah, probably. B, B plus. Yeah, um, this uh, friendly cup competition between Argentina and Brazil, the first leg of which is to be played in Cordoba on Wednesday night, which is tomorrow as we record, and as I say, tonight by the time I've uploaded it, probably, or at the moment, given my recent uploading of things incredibly late at night um, it's it's for a friendly competition and, and the uh, we're going to really quell some expectations if any of you are planning on staying up really late to watch it from Europe or whatever and point out that it is domestically based Argentina against domestically based Brazil it's not the real thing exactly although domestic Brazil's side is going to include Neymar Ganso is he in the squad Ganso Ronaldinho is, injured ok Ganso's injured Ganso, um, uh, Neymar Ronaldinho uh, Damião mm. uh, Oscar I believe young international player is very good you want to watch Lucas for São Paulo and this really it's, underlines that the Brazilian league is strong at the moment really strong uh, yeah, both financially quite, um, quite tough for, uh, for Argentina yeah. actually uh, yeah I mean yeah. you can look out tomorrow on Goal.com where I'll be writing an editorial about this very subject uh, that sounds yeah. good. That's a pretty good idea. I'm plugged as well. Um, no, I just meant about the Argentina squad. Uh, Verón is playing. No, he's injured. Oh, he's injured as well. Well, yeah, I was going to say Riquelme. Two biggest stars for Argentina. Right. Okay. Verón, neither of them are exactly injured, but both of them prefer not to play this friendly. Now can't really play two games a week. Exactly. Yeah. 
Which it's will... a blow for Sabella, particularly Baron's absence, because as we said when he first named the squad, I think he was there as much to communicate Sabella's ideas to the players, <coughs> because yeah. we know that Baron and Sabella know each other very well from the time. Well, well the, other, the other point worth making is that there's a lot of how many Bellas players? Seven, six, About six or seven, and then a lot yeah. of Estudiantes players as well. Which, in a way, is understandable. They're the two best teams in the last, say, two or three years. In another way, Vélez well, have lost their last three games. Estudiantes in the league. In the league, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, Estudiantes haven't won since, I think, 1987 was the last time they won yeah. the game. So, not exactly... I don't know I don't know how many of these players are really in top, top form, but... Yeah. Um, and man, Lanús players, interestingly. I think we'll touch on Lanús a little bit later in the podcast. They had a brilliant result at the weekend. Is Valeri not in the squad? No. No, because when it was named, he didn't have a... Well, he, he looked like being mm. frozen out of Lanús' team, didn't he, last one? Yes, Argentina might uh, struggle a bit for, for playmakers. I mean, yeah. you've got um, Vichar. Um, That's what I was thinking about the squad, yeah. I mean, it looks... I wouldn't say spectacular, but kind of solid enough at the back. There's a couple of decent defenders. There's uh, Dominguez or Villas, and I think De Sabato's there from Estudiantes, a couple more of Estudiantes. But playmaker wise, yeah, they've got um, Christian Chavez from, from Boca, and he looks about the closest they've got to a playmaker. And he's, you know, all fairness to him, he's not quite on uh, Ronaldinho's level. We can no. probably say. Or Riquelme's level, Or Riquelme's been slightly below par in recent weeks, I bet. Was it yeah, very well on Sunday? Um, sure. up against Neymar should be interesting, or even against Ronaldinho. <laughs> is it, if, and if people are not familiar with him, he's very much a savage type. Um, one of these defenders. Uh, he's actually a decent defender, but he's you know very much um, plays on the on the on the edge of the of, of the law kind of thing, and uh, he's a sort of uh, pretty tough cu- character. So it'd be interesting to see if Neymar gets past him a couple of times, whether he just sort of takes his head off or something. Yeah, he's he's been very successful within the context of the Argentine league. He won the Copa Libertadores with um, with Estudiantes, I think, a couple of years ago. Did he actually? I'm right about yeah, that. He's been yeah, he's been Estudiantes for years. Now. Yeah, um, but yeah, there, there is a reason. Let's say that he's never quite made yeah, he'd, he'd it to be thirty-one or so. Um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there was some interesting quotes from um, Rogelio Seni, who just passed a thousand games in the week past for um, Sao Paulo, and he basically said. Where can we read about that, Dan? There's an article on Gold.com, I believe, yeah. Not one one to plug, this is genuinely interesting, you know. He was saying about um, Neymar, he was basically asked, um, does he need more protection, like, do these players? Race goes, wait, no. You watch Neymar, he's been fouled, I think it was uh, 70 times in 11 Brazilian league matches. Mm. And he goes, well, you know, less than 50% of them were actual fouls. Well... Over fifty percent of him just diving. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting because we know like international referees don't have as much tolerance for that kind of thing as Brazilian referees. Well, having said that, up, yeah. this was something we discussed with Tim Vickery in the pre pre Copa America yeah. podcast, which uh, is still available to listen to online if you want to. Um, and we found during the Copa, I didn't think Neymar was diving anywhere no, near as much as we were expecting. No, um, he kind of pulled it up. And then, yeah. I mean, that, especially generally, I think he knows he can't get away with it, so he probably, probably doesn't indulge that much. Yeah, I mean, it impressed me being at the Brazil-Paraguay game, uh, the match in which Brazil ended up going out, but there were a couple of occasions when, when Neymar got tackled in or near the box, and on one occasion at least, quite roughly, but he stayed on his feet wow. and, and tried to finish it off, which, which I was impressed by. But yeah, I mean, it, we'll, we'll see what it's like, whether because it's a domestic squad, against another domestic squad he, he treats it slightly more as a, a league match or whatever yeah, um, I'm wondering what we can 
learn from Sabella's uh, what we can learn about Sabella's selection and likely tactics of the Selection given that this fixture was set up before he took charge mm. uh, given that it is based <coughs> primarily around players who I would think Sabella himself is going to recognise aren't going to be part of his, his long term plans for the full national side and that we might not have another domestic uh, Argentina friendly for a while uh, well, until possibly the next now. one yeah of course um, apart from possibly the next double header with Brazil if this friendly cup is going to become a semi-regular thing what can we learn from it? I mean is he going to guys do you think he's going to use the same kind of strategy as he will do with, with the senior players whether he's going to try and make them into a mini Argentina if you will or? I don't think there's much we're going to learn from this to be honest like, I think from an Argentine point of view the main thing is going to be get their domestic players through the 90 minutes they don't have so they don't have any injuries and they don't screw up their chances for the clubs because unlike Batista he's not even called up kind of these young 24-25 year olds mm. it's like a lot of you know, 29 30 year olds in the squad so no I don't I think it's you know it'll be a nice atmosphere in Cordoba like the Brazilians will come in it'll be a fairly entertaining game because Argentina Brazil is always you know it's not for the faint hearted a lot of times but apart from that, no, I don't think we're going to draw any um, vital conclusions. Yeah. Somebody asked me during the week which players from Argentina to look out for as in terms of up-and-coming up players, and as Dan said, yeah, none of these. Uh, a couple of the, the midfielders like Canteros or uh, Castro. Yeah, Lucas um, Castro, yeah. He's but I don't, I don't even know if they, they will play or not, because uh, we don't really know. He hasn't, named he hasn't us, given us any clues yet. Really. The first team today. So, yeah, in terms of that, there's not a lot. I, I guess we'll, we'll learn that... I think he he would probably play a similar setup to to the way he plays with the full national team, and I think we're we, we're sort of seeing that he's playing a pretty similar style to what he used at Estudiantes. Yeah, and he's not really into using a, a traditional Argentine number ten enganche. Um, he he had Riquelme obviously in his squad initially, but now that he's gone, there's nobody else really to do that that sort of job. So apart from that, we're not we're not going to learn much. Apart from probably the difference between the. We heard about yeah, Brazilian Brazilian League, Brazilian League, which could be a bit shocking. Yes. Yeah, it, it might well be. Uh, we're all sceptical about Argentina's chances here if you've had difficulty on yeah. picking up that, that tone in our... Well, of course, we all think they can win um, con corazón and con mucha garra, yeah. obviously, <laughs> as Argentine teams always do against Brazil. Yes. Right. That literally translates as with heart and with a lot of claw. Uh, they do have a lot of claw. They do, they certainly do. Um, we shall move on now because we, having discussed the domestic Argentine squad it's time to start discussing as we regularly do here on Hand of Pod the domestic Argentine league yeah. it is it is a bit yeah we've been I, I'm going to dive straight in actually because when you look down the, the list of results from the weekend just past there's one really that jumps out at you and which although it's not perhaps had an enormous effect on the standings in the league so far um it's certainly the most eye-catching, which was Godoy Cruz 6, S-I-X, as you might see it if you were on teletext in the UK, All Boys 1. Um, and in a match as well, the All Boys were actually the better team. For yeah, what I think that was the interesting part of, of this game. Like, All Boys started playing um, really nice football over the first, I think, the 20, 28 minutes or so. They, they, they got an early goal and the commentator at one stage said they were playing like the Barcelona of Flores. <laughs> and they, they did have some like, really nice passing movements and, and this kind of thing and then See, suddenly it's hard to believe because <laughs> I actually got back in late and ended up turning on right. about the point when they I think they yeah so they conceded the goal around the 29th minute and, yeah. and then right. just turned into an absolute slaughter and Godoy Cruz was playing a really nice football which we know that they can do 
aside from that, yeah, I don't know, it's just one of those weird results. They just kept banging in goals. Mm. Um, it links in with, with one question that we've that I've been asked on Twitter uh, just before I was coming here from uh, Wanchope Dikov, who's, uh, I don't know his real name, but we do know that he's a commentator uh, in English language for some of the English language Argentine football broadcasts, asking whether Diego Vichar, uh, the Godoy Cruz midfielder who scored their second goal, I think, no, the oh, blimey, their fifth goal, in fact, um, is the best bearded midfielder since Socrates of Brazil. He has got a lovely beard on him, and I was actually talking to a guy the other day um, in a tattoo parlor, and the guy told me that he, I don't know how true this was, but he told me that he had his full coaching credentials and, and so forth, and he asked me who, who I thought the best, uh, the most intelligent player in the league was, and I assumed, as, as you usually do, that he probably wanted me to say Riquelme or something, so I said Riquelme or... I gave a couple of names, and um, no, according to him, uh, the, the the most intelligent player and uh, the most creative player is is Vichar. Um, yeah, it's, and it's true. He's, he's a very, very he's a player. very intelligent player, yeah, very kind of culture in the ball. And it's, it's a lovely beard. I don't know if it's quite to the level of um, Socrates, but he's getting there. Yeah, I, I mean, as a Manchester United fan, I'd have to put in a word for Roy Keane. Yeah. Albeit by the time he sort of grew the the full beard, he was really getting a bit past I'm his. Trying to think of other Argentinians at the moment who. Well, there's Ricky Vicha, but he's not really a midfielder as such, and well, certainly isn't now. No. Uh, but when he played, he had a beard, and if, I don't know whether he really he doesn't really count as uh, since Socrates, does he? Because he was slightly before right. his time. Yeah. Um, well, you had Batista back in the day, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. that's quite right. Pretty sure. Um, but no, I can't think of any current ones with. Them. No, it's not a huge amount of beard to go around. Like. <laughs> no, Mascherano's got a little bit of stubble, but. Yeah. I think Messi tried to, to grow a beard a few months ago, but sort of didn't didn't get past the sort of no. fluff stage. It was about as successful as my efforts of growing beard <laughs> would be if I bothered to, um, which I don't be, for a reason. <laughs> I want to look like a twat. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if, if you're listening and you can think of any Argentine players since Socrates, let's say since what about 1986, yeah, 87, um, with with beards and who you think were comparable with Diego Vichar, please do get in touch either through Twitter or, or via email. Um, of course, he had Maradona when he was coach who had a yeah. full beard. Yeah. He was never at his peak when he had a beard. No, that's true. Not as I, should I should also say, I've misread the question. It actually says the best bearded player, so we don't need to worry about midfielders. Uh, so Maradona could be. Um, uh, one candidate Jacob for Racing has got kind of a fledgling beard he's, he's trying to bring it through yeah uh, yeah maybe he's not quite on Vichel's level but yeah beard beard wise he, he could be a contender absolutely um, on the slightly less important business of the league now um, we've had some of the other results uh, Belgrano managed another win they took ages to, to win their first game I don't think they won one until was it the fourth or the fifth weekend um, no, they lost two three to Newell's on the fourth. So that their first win actually was was two weeks ago, um, when they won one nil away to San Lorenzo, and they've now downed another Grande, yeah. beating Independiente two 0 um, No, not for Belgrano. It's not. They they've won two so far this season. Uh, I think there was one towards the end of last year. Oh, you're quite right. Sorry, <laughs> I was I was talking about this season. Blanked that out. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, there was the. Um, there was quite a lot of fuss at the start of the season about the fact that that win in the first leg against River was that was their last win, um, and that they've not won since winning promotion. Mm-hmm. But they've now won two in the row, both against Grandes and the one against Independiente at the weekend was really 
I mean, Belgrano won two 0 without looking particularly impressive. Mm. Independiente were pitiful, yeah. weren't they? They looked shocking this with the caretaker time. manager Cristian Diaz, mm. who's no relation at all, as far as we're aware, to the new manager who's coming in, Ramon Diaz. So he could be the only person on the independent coaching staff who's not related to Diaz. <laughs> yeah, after these changes that are coming in, Emiliano. Is it Emiliano or Emilio? I believe Emiliano. Emiliano Diaz, Ramon's if you son. Can correct us if we're wrong yeah, yeah, please do. Um, Oxford United fans may remember Emiliano Diaz. Well, of course, you'll all remember Ramon Diaz quite fondly, but um, Emiliano Diaz was... Uh, the, the son of Ramon who got brought into Oxford's co- uh, playing staff in spite of being rubbish from what everybody could hear about him and yeah Ramon is now bringing him in apparently because he knows how to switch a computer on or something <laughs> whether Ramon's going to be using Prozone in the Argentine league which would make him quite an adventurous manager to do so well apparently the Afro have just you know uh, signed a contract with Prozone to have it available for every single team. Is that so? I had yeah, no idea. I thought this was when we were no, I was joking about that. that was related to this year. Um, no, that was a Prozone is coming to Argentina. Great. God have mercy on his soul. Basically. Yeah, blimey. I shudder to think what the likes of well Sergio Batista, if he ever gets another coaching job, would do with Prozone. Yeah. Or um, just what Araujo would think about that. Yeah, it might be interesting. Yeah. I don't think he'd be able to get his head around it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, how, how do you think Ramon Diaz is going to is going to do at Independiente? It's a really tricky one because they're in such a rut. He has this reputation of of getting stuff done. He's River's most successful ever manager. He also won a title with San Lorenzo, which means he's won titles with every Argentine club he's managed with. Um, and they're starting off at home to Colón this coming weekend, which is a fairly tricky, um, especially this season because Colón are actually looking good this season. Um, it's a fairly tricky proposal, but Diaz came in and has made these the sort of comments that Diaz always makes. He was saying it's a shame that Independiente have already played and lost against Boca because he knows how to beat Boca. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a big mouth. It's, it's nice to have him back, not necessarily because I like him, because I don't, but for entertainment value to say. He gives you a few good quotes on a Monday morning. That's yeah, sure. absolutely. Um, I was just going to say, like, he, he does, yeah, he, he is a bit of a. Um, I got a Mr. Fix-It type guy and he could sort of turn him around and the thing is if he doesn't um, if things don't go well he, he doesn't have a lot of patience like mm-hmm. he sort of thinks of himself as, as a top level coach and if Independent don't sort of pull themselves up a bit I, I can see him leaving fairly quickly actually yeah. Yeah. which he did which would be the wrong thing to do really because I think Independiente you look at their squad it's not particularly strong in a lot of areas so I think they're going to have to kind of just Hold on this year, try and get kind of a decent mid-table position, and then, as Diaz, lo- Diaz loves to do, just get hold of the squad in in mid-season, buy about six players, and, and see what he can do with it. Yeah, so I think yeah, he must know that he's not going to cause fireworks for the rest of this no, year. I guess I'll be trying to accumulate points for now, kind of thing. Yeah, to stay yeah. clear of the relegation places, um, and and also of course the, I, I would think that come summer break which for those listeners in the Northern Hemisphere, which obviously is the vast majority of our listeners, is, is your winter break, uh, or not break, as it were, in, in the Premier League at least. Um, Patricio Rodriguez is going to go, almost certainly, to, to, to Europe, assuming he's fit, <laughs> which yeah. is a bit of a gamble, touch and go with him all the time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how he approaches the, the sort of two-thirds to three-quarters of the, the apertura that's left, at mm-hmm. least. Um, and, and to see what he can do with it, really. And then, of course, speaking about relegation and clubs linked to, to Ramon Diaz, we had a historic occasion this weekend we did. when um, San Lorenzo lost 3-1 to Colón. 
and then Colón's Santa Fe brothers Union also won, putting San Lorenzo in the promoción for the first time ever. Yeah, we, we should obviously uh, some of our uh, listeners will be aware that San Lorenzo have actually been relegated before, but yeah. obviously that was before the the current relegation promotion, system. Came just in, in case people don't realise, is the uh, the relegation zone. Yes, it's got a very similar well, the, the playoff zone. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, which was. Something that we kind of touched on as a possibility a couple of weeks ago. It might have been part of the, the pod that I ended up cutting. Um, and they've got Union and All Boys in the places immediately above them, which on the one hand gives them a chance of climbing out if those two lose. But yeah. on the other hand, if those two were to go and, say, win this coming weekend, yes, yeah. it puts them way up in front. And the same with Olimpo. If they win this weekend, they can even go on higher than San yeah. Lorenzo. Yeah, they could. And it's not looking too good. Potentially San Martin, uh, who are actually bottom yeah. at the moment on one point per game. Um, yeah, in terms of the, the the way the team is playing and stuff, I don't think San Lorenzo are in such trouble. Like, I think they have a good enough. Yeah, team to be honest, what what um kind of done them in on on Friday were two pretty free goals from uh, Bichi Fuertes. Mm. One where he fell over and still managed to hook the ball into the net, and then another header at the far post, which actually just hit him in the face. Yeah, rebounded off the off the post. And yeah, hit him, <laughs> hit him in. Although the, the, the first of those two was a. Very good finish, yeah. I should say. It's um, kind of goal, and he only beat you with score. Yeah, Gordon, as the commentators have to say by contract every single every second time they mention his name. Of course, Which is a bit of a move on to from uh, Palermo, la, poli- la pelicula. <laughs> yes, cliche yeah. yeah. Not much of one. No, no. I don't no. definitely a bit obsessed with it. No, absolutely. Um, and one of the other, what was I going to pick out as the other one? Bloody hell. One of the other things that's going to affect San Lorenzo is um, that for the coming weekend, at least, uh, Nestor Ortigosa is injured. He picked up an injury in training yesterday morning, which is going to rule him out of this weekend's match against at home to Atletico Rafaela, which in itself is quite an interesting relegation scrap, if you will, because Rafaela are currently top of the relegation table if they were to start losing games. And we've, we've mentioned before about the fact that they've not played anybody mm-hmm. or they've only really played one particularly difficult opponent um, so far which was Arsenal de Sarandi in the second week and they lost that game 3-1 it's the only loss they've had so far um, but really I think we all kind of picked out San Lorenzo this seventh round as the point where Rafaela's season begins to get more challenging yeah, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see, to see what happens yeah. here Rafaela's result last week was a nil-nil draw with Newell's Old Boys mm-hmm. um, which was the very first match of the, the weekend and was a pretty dull one mm-hmm. actually from uh, from what I caught of it, I, was, I wasn't too displeased about missing most of it. We mentioned that Union won, and that that's what left San Lorenzo in the relegation table, but we should give them some proper praise to Union, really, because they they didn't just win, they beat Meles Sarsfield yeah. 1-0 away from home, meaning Meles, as Dan mentioned earlier, uh, have now lost three in a row in the league. Um, against uh, Union, All Boys and Olimpo, yeah, uh, um, three not particularly fearsome opponents, you know. Yeah, no, all starting when Santiago Silva left. Um, yeah, since then. It's funny, isn't it? Although they won before the Union match, a few days before they they beat Argentino Juniors four yeah. nil in the Copa Sudamericana, and that was a re- there was a kind of feeling after that that they'd recovered their football again. Well, and, 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 and Union was a bit lu- lucky to win that game. It was a late mm. goal, if I remember. Yeah, it was. absolutely bombarded the yeah. Union net like. Yeah, but again, like, like eighteen shots or something, and hit the bar about four times. Oh, yeah, that's one incredible match. Bologna, the, the goalkeeper, Bologna had the match of his life. Uh, yeah. In fact, I've just brought up the the Ole 
feature of the game and they've given him 9 out of 10 which is I've never seen any player get, get a rating that high from Ole online before have you not? no well, there's 10s every now and then yeah yeah oh, okay good good yeah, they're not, no they're not shy about giving out 10s but mm. yeah. for keepers it's fairly fairly rare yeah um, but yeah as, as we say Velas hit the woodwork yeah, there was one incredible passage of play where I think they hit the 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 bar, or yeah, they hit the twice in a row, and then twice in a row, and then like who was it, Mister? Uh, right the front. little kid, the little nine replacement, apparently for Silva Ramirez, I think right. to be a teenager saying, "Blaze Ramirez." Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Jonathan Ramirez. Jonathan. Not, not to be confused with David Ramirez, who's the midfielder. That's not right. Like Christos, yeah. I wouldn't be dreaming of it. Yeah, but that, that's a, and I think they're also going to be starting to worry really now. No, nah, I don't think they're going to worry. Like they already know they've got Copa Libertadores football for next year, and oh no, I don't mean no danger whatsoever. You know, of getting dragged in. So no, I, think no, they just I, got, I don't mean relegation wise. I just mean they would have liked to defend their title. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, but I think they knew they're not going to. I think they knew going in. Kind of, they lost um, Silva. Obviously, we mentioned Maxi Morales yeah. and uh, Ricky Alvarez as well. I think they must have kind of realised that they were not going to have it all their own way the second half of this year and it's kind of proven right I don't think listening to kind of what's coming out of the Vélez camp there's any real kind of like preoccupation there no I think the fans are going to be frustrated yeah. more than anything well um, the fans so, can't yeah, I mean, to lose three games in a row no who does absolutely they're, they're playing Apparently, Newells uh, this weekend <laughs> um, and yeah. one of the things I was thinking was that they're actually level on points and if you told Newells fans at the start of the season you're going to be level on points with Bellas six yeah, matches they'd yeah. been delighted but maybe not so much now yeah. <laughs> no, we should mention that at the top of the table now we have uh, Lone Samboka absolutely yeah uh, we did have a question um, from Ed Malian on Twitter asking who would win uh, a fight between a shark and a hippo mm-hmm. and at uh, first I, I told him that we wouldn't be answering it and that he'd earned himself an exclusion from ever being allowed to ask a question <laughs> again um, but then it occurred to me while I was on the Supte over here that what he was actually getting at was who's going to win between Lanus and Boca this weekend because they're playing each other um, they're exactly level in the table they've both won four and lost two they've both scored eight goals they've both conceded one they've both got 14 points um, and to me, Lanusa are the shark, this is what Ed's saying, in my opinion, um, because they're kind of vicious, they're very mobile, rapid. You certainly wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of them or let them sniff any blood. Whereas Boko are the hippo, because they're a little bit sort of stodgier, not, not quite as nice to look at at well, the moment. They move very fast when they need to. Yeah, and if they decided to... Underestimate hippos' land speed. No, absolutely. And, and if they decided to give you a kick or a bite, it would hurt like hell. Yeah. Uh, you'd die rather more slowly if the hippo attacked you. Well, the hippos kill more people in Africa than any other animal. You know that. I, I didn't know that, yeah. no. But I, I'd imagine that it would be a, more of a slow death, whereas the shark. No, I think like, you if you got, and you got I mean, it would rip you in half a hippo if it got a hold of you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing is, sharks tend to bite more out of uh, curiosity with humans. <laughs> like, um, they'll bite you once to see what you taste like. But that one bite could very well kill you. Hippos, they just rip you to shreds. Yeah, they're very territorial and they'll defend their their territory. Well, that reminds me of Rolando Schiavi as well. (laughs) So the the parallels are still there. I'm going to stick with this this parallel. Um, But the other interesting thing is that they're, along with Racing, they're two of the only three clubs left who are unbeaten. Yeah, and definitely... Probably the two. I mean, obviously because they're top of the table. But I, I would say the two most likely who are, who are going to win, go on and win the league. I mean, it's, we shouldn't discount wrestling. No, we shouldn't discount wrestling either. I think if Seville was here, he'd probably be tearing you apart, hip by style right now. Right, right. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, or Atletico Rafaela, who are ahead of Racing in third place at the moment. Mm, I, 
I think we're just for the, in, in the interest of that. We don't think they're going to last. I think. I'd love them to, but no, well, yeah, I'd agree. I don't actually think they will. <laughs> All right, so let's just say definitely they're two of the <laughs> the teams who you would expect to still be there at the end. Uh, so it's going to be this is, a, this is a huge game. It's the biggest game of the season so far. Uh, I'd also like to point out that if translating a little bit from French and a little bit from um, Spanish, it's the anus versus the mouth, or you know, anus against the mouth. So across the mouth, if you like. <laughs> um, Perhaps there's, the there's probably some some jokes that you could make there, and perhaps listeners could could uh, tweet us. With yeah, them. we're too. You know, we're above making some yeah, we don't, cheap jokes. No, we'd love our listeners to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Although we did, um, we we got one comment on on the SoundCloud feed of the last episode, laughing at the uh, at Seb's joke about the the league being how he likes his coffee with the cream on top, um, saying that it was it was. Uh, I think what did the comment to say? Uh, the jokes are. Cheap and dirty. That's how I like my women. Or something. Yeah. Right. Um, which, anyway. re- which has reminded me that we promised to come up with a cream-based joke each week. So guys, get thinking when we mention Raphael a bit later. Right. We'll okay. Try and get hold of one. Um, no, I just you take the the cream soured a little bit this week, but it's still you know it's still it's still fresh, still still drinkable. I think that's the best you're getting this week, isn't it? Sorry, <laughs> we forgot about the fact we had. To I have another one, but I'll save it till till they lose the next you know, the next game. Excellent. Um, no, yeah, just a. I don't know. How, how do you guys see this line going? Lanos Walker. I'm, I'm going to probably. I'll, I'll head out to the game. Sam, you said you couldn't make it, right? But I'll, I'll go and have a look. Yeah, I'd, I'd really love to make it, um, but I think it'll be pushing it a little bit because I'm going to have a deadline that same evening, which I'm very annoyed by. Um, I think it's. Uh, what I'm predicting is, is a draw. I, I think we're looking at two teams who've not lost any games yet, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that, and I think they're. Really evenly matched. As I've already hinted, I don't see them playing in the same in a similar kind of style. I think Lanús have a little bit more verve, um, whereas Boca have slightly more kind of resolve, particularly in defence at the moment. Like um, a, like a shark, shark and a hippo, basically. Precisely, exactly. precisely. Um, Hippos famous for their resolve. <laughs> <laughs> you can see we're not trying to stretch this analogy out at no, all, can you? Um, yeah, but uh, I'm going to go with a draw because uh, th- there's a reason that these two sides haven't lost yet, and I think they are very evenly matched. I-, I still think that over the course of the rest of the season, that Lanús are going to um, come out just slightly ahead, which was what I said before the first match had even been played. By the way, I'd just like to remind everybody that they were the most likely winners of the league from my point of view. Um, but yeah, for-, for this game, I think Boca will will be able to, to hang on. Boca's defence has really impressed me this season so far. Well, I won't be able to watch the game because I'll be on a bus heading up to Santa Fe for um, Union Racing. But I think, literally, if we're going to take this analogy, literally, I think the hippo would beat the shark, especially if you know it can drag the shark on land. It's um, it's no contest. Right. And I'm going to go with the same the same outcome in the match. I think Boca have got enough to beat Lanús, especially if um, Riquelme is fit. I think. They'll just about have enough, and they should win maybe two-one. One of the things that, one of the reasons I say that Boca haven't looked so dynamic to me is that um, their strike forces struggled a little bit. Svitanic and Viatri have both played well in patches, but never in the same match so far this season. Um, uh, I've not been massively impressed with them as a duo, and I, they're definitely missing Palermo, which which any club would be, course, especially yeah, after relying on him for such a long really. time. Um, but, but I just I wonder like, whether it's come maybe a couple of weeks too early for those two to have yet bedded in fully. Well, what I like from Boca from what I've seen this season is um, I think two players who have really stepped up 
er, uh, uh, Clemente Rodriguez on, on the left hand side and also Erviti mm. he didn't really do much in his first six months of Boca but now he's kind of really comfortable where he is he knows that he's not fighting with uh, Riquelme for a place he's playing kind of alongside him as kind of a creative partner deeper down the field mm-hmm. saving maybe Riquelme from running so, so much which we know he doesn't like to do and yeah, I think his partnership is, is very exciting that's a very good point yeah. Riquelme especially in the last two or three games I think he's really looks like he's settled down and, and yeah. settled finally knows what he's doing in the, in the team and he's yeah. looked like his old self yeah. you know, Banfield yeah he, he scored the winning goal against San Martin at the weekend uh, it was 1-0 slightly fortuitously because there was a player offside um, but yeah I mean I, I completely agree I've always rated Clemente um, yeah. but Erbiti after being brilliant during the last Apertura last year for Banfield arguably the player of the tournament along with Gio mm. um, as, as in fact we discussed at the end of the last Apertura kind of flattered to deceive a bit during his first uh, short tournament with, with Boca yeah, but I mean, he's definitely feeling a bit more kind of settled in the team now and, and looks far better into it I don't think there's a coincidence that this has happened when Julio Cesar Falcione has started managing Boca no. um, he's his manager at Banfield for, for the listeners benefit um, but he's always been his manager at Boca, hasn't he? Yeah, that's the only one. Yeah, he, he brought him up. Oh, you're quite right, sorry. But I think, it, yeah, as you say, it's just a matter of him sort of realising that he's accepted in the team and knowing his place, and he's not worried about you know, fighting with Raquel May for, no. for a place. And I think what we see, apart from that, kind of, whenever one of these, you know, very good domestic players comes into to one of their grandes, and especially to Boca or, you know, a river, it does take a bit of time to bed in because it's a, it's a whole new pressure, a whole... You kind of life, you know, you have to live with the cameras in your face. So, I think it's it's logical. It's going to take a few months to uh, to settle in. Yeah, and I think now we're we're seeing that he is doing it, and obviously he's a class player. Yeah, and and that's an irony that I kind of noticed at the weekend again because one of um, Godoy Cruz's goals was scored by Leandro Caruso, and one of Lanús's goals in their four nil win over Argentinos on Monday night uh, was scored by Mariano Pavone. And both of those were players who really struggled to find the net. Caruso to a slightly lesser extent because he didn't really get many chances to play. Um, but whose lack of goals was, was a big part of the reason for River going down. And you're right, the pressure at River and Boca especially is completely different from the rest yeah. of the, the country, which, which is something that did play into, as we discussed on several occasions last year, yeah. played into River's eventual relegation. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd completely agree that that's also another factor for LBT being a little slower to acclimatise um, let's say any other results that stood out from the weekend guys Banfield have lost again yeah not really much we can say about that Ricardo Lavolpe's first game in charge Um, and I think we kind of have to mention um, Gio Day in in Abishinedo which was Saturday wrestling with uh, Teo Gutierrez penalty got past Olimpo 1-0 wrestling with a Teo Gutierrez penalty and then Gutierrez did as much as he could to (laughs) <laughs> to let Oli know off the hook thereafter uh. yeah he did and you know kind of uncharacteristically for him missed a couple of chances uh, it was a bit like sort of, made a couple of good saves he, he did it as well a couple of weeks ago he missed a, a few after scoring one and yeah, he strikes me particularly on, on Saturday because I was, I was there um, at the opposite end of the stadium to you Dan I was in the, the home end but across the stadium from where you were um, it, it's almost as if he's sort of becoming or, or at least on Saturday it was the anti-Martin Palermo he scored the penalty 
Yeah. Admittedly, he almost missed the penalty as well. But he scored the penalty and then missed a load of really good chances, whereas Palermo would you know, score a hat-trick of really great chances and then get a penalty for his fourth goal and sky over. Well, apparently in Colombia he's called Treofilo Gutierrez because he, for every chance he scores, he misses three. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's like not, a decent yeah. But he's one, he is one of those guys that's sort of always in the right position exactly. and he doesn't miss a lot of chances, but he, he also that's scores a lot. So. He gets in a lot of good yeah, so. chances. And you can just see with like, the way he plays the game, he's not this kind of person... You know, there's a lot of strikers in Argentina and, and in the whole world, to be fair, that will miss a couple of chances, and you know from there they're not going to score because uh, they get to them. But yeah. you watch Teal, and he plays with just this ice cold assurance in front of goal. You know, every every um, time he gets the ball in front of goal, he thinks he's going to score. So yeah. even if he misses one, it's, it's not going to affect him for the next one. Yeah, I, I think I that that's why exactly the reason he's such a good player is that he, yeah. he doesn't yeah. feel he doesn't feel the pressure either from the crowd. That's why he, he scores in in like. Classic type matches, and yeah, and I think all Racing fans really are just so excited to see this um, Gio and Peel double act that was seen for the first time. It clicked no, the second time, in fact, because I remember reading that they they played once together before for Racing, and that Gio set Teo up for the goal right at the beginning of the Clausura. No, because so. no, no. um, Teo's first game was against Boca, and Gio got injured against Always. Oh, no, that's they never very poor research then from. Um, the people at Ole. Yeah, I've done a lot. I think they nice they did play a couple of times for Colombia. For yeah. Colombia, they yeah. played together. Yeah. yeah, but this was the first time in the games. Yeah. At times, they you know they played some brilliant balls like Gio played in Theo and that, and that partnership's only going to get better as they play with each other more and with their yeah. teammates. And, and it's just and wonderful it's, to see Gio back. Uh, like yeah. he's obviously not 100, percent but he's still it was still you know his usual wonderful stuff. It was something yeah. that I was thinking while you were both uh, mentioning. Teo remaining confident even when he misses these chances it's almost as if he doesn't blame himself for missing yeah. and Gio's exactly the same if one of Gio, his tricks yeah. don't come off he'll try exactly the same thing next time and exactly and, yeah. and the other thing with Gio which is the, just the archetypal Argentine number 10 in fact yeah. even though he's, he's obviously not Argentine um, there were a couple of, of occasions when from the midfield on Saturday he, he kind of there was one especially that I remember because it was almost near the corner flag right in front of me um, where he he tried a sort of blind pass, looking one way and passing the other, and expecting the the full back, uh, the right back, who was Pichud, Pichud, yeah, to to overlap him and get on the the end of the cross. And Pichud, it was partly that Pichud didn't realise what he was doing. It was mostly that Gio basically whacked the ball out of play far too hard. But Gio's response was not to hold his hands up and say sorry to Pichud. It was to start berating him for not knowing what was going to happen, not being fast enough, which which was absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, I think in that way as well, like you say. Uh, Gio's uh, archetypal Argentine number 10 I'd go even further like he reminds me almost of of more of a Brazilian number 10 if you, if yeah. you hear my drift someone yeah, yeah. like a Rivaldo like a like a Romadini almost like the way Mercurial. he plays Mercurial yeah but he also runs eh? like yeah, he yeah. De- definitely does cover the yards he closes down his he was doing his, a really uh, good markers. job of trying to close down on yeah. uh, Olympos uh, back line yeah. and as you say as well played some brilliant passes another yeah. racing player who played a really good pass uh, also to let Teo in was Lucas Licht yeah, yeah, he's just playing really well he's come on he was the leaps and bounds but he also in, in, in the first half he's a left back made one yeah. tackle which, which sent the guy flying up into the it should have been a red card it was yeah. really late he took both of his shins out and he only got booked for it I'm not sure how <laughs> so uh, again it was you know Licht has this his, this habit as we mentioned last season of playing a really impressive game and yeah. then doing something utterly mindless and yes. getting either booked or sent off, on which note, the goal celebration has to be mentioned because yeah, Simeone these were, was not happy with it. These were a couple of 
you know, more innocuous yellow cards, I think we could say, after Gutierrez put the penalty in off the bar. Uh, him, Gio and Lucas Castro, Lucas Castro ran to the sidelines where they were presented with a lot of nice colourful hats and a Zala finding in a bongo. And they, you know, they proceeded to give us a, um, a Vashinato performance, which is a Colombian dance, right on the side of the pitch. Unfortunately, Racing's... Um Tannoy system isn't the best, so the singing and the, the drumming couldn't actually be heard from the stands. But no, well, there was enough singing and from yeah. the actual stands, I think. But of course, yeah. Um, yeah, and for which uh, Castro and Gio got booked. No, okay. sorry, Castro and Teo got yeah. booked. Gio didn't get Gio booked. For some, which, <laughs> apparently, because he walked away from the referee and just ignored. Yeah, yeah it was uh, quite uh, hilarious the fact that the, the ref decided to book those two and not Gio <laughs> yeah. for no particular reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. I'm, I'm kind of stuck between the two camps here because on the one hand it's not I think it's ridiculous that you can be booked for ripping your shirt off or whatever in celebration anyway um, even though I think players maybe do that a bit too often if right. you do it in the you know 125th minute of a World Cup semi-final yeah. then fine but if you do it in the 27th minute of a league match then I've got slightly less sympathy for it um, but I, I do kind of agree what, with what Simeone said and this was something that we discussed before we started recording last week about how you get a lot of very cheap yellow cards for things like shirt pulls mm. um, ridiculous challenges when you're either already winning 4-0 or already losing 4-0 and somebody just goes in over the top and gets a red card which gets you suspended and Argentine managers don't seem to, to give a toss and Simeone was in the papers I think today or yesterday saying uh, not too vocally but kind of saying it was nice to see that celebration, but I don't want them to do it again yeah. because those those yellow cards rack up afterwards and you can get suspended for one. Yeah, one of our key games I've, or something. I've never seen an Argentine manager No, there's something really, really odd about the league. Um, yeah, as you said, we've talked about it quite often, not uh, on, on the pod, uh, offline if you will. But yeah, for me, especially the ones that really irritate me are these ones where yeah, a team is, lo- is losing 3-0 and the guys... And they'll just start flying in with fouls just because they're they're annoyed, mm. and they'll get a red card. And, and like the, nobody seems to care. The commentators just sort of say, "Oh well, he's you know he's uh, he's caliente, he's, he's yeah. angry or whatever." And the, the managers never seem to go out and, in, in the press and say anything against them or, or publicly say anything against the players. As, as a, a very quick kind of illustration, one of the things that impressed me most, in fact, now we're talking about it uh, about Unión's win against Vélez this weekend, is they did it with four suspended players. Mm. Um, Part of which was due to an aftermatch rock after the Santa Fe Clasico, in which um, Diego Pozo and one of the others both got sent off after the game. Um, but four suspended players. I mean, in in leagues where the managers are slightly harder on discipline, maybe fine players for red cards or whatever, that just does not happen. And here, you don't no. get anything like the same pressure to just not do stupid things. It doesn't seem so. I mean, obviously, we don't know what happens behind the scenes at the clubs. You know, maybe they do. Have a have a fine. Well, you would think it would stop. Well, you'd think the the players would do it less. Yeah, you think so, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> yeah. But one question I went, I was wondering when I saw this um, saw this celebration, which was kind of wonderfully daft. I think is the best <laughs> yeah. way I can describe it. Uh, obviously, we know that um, Vélez Sarsil and Silva yeah. were kind of the, the instigators of these. Did they used to get bookings? No, not. Like, I think no. I don't think they always did, but I definitely I think there was one where. What, they had candles or something and they, they had yeah, like they a, got a got little birthday party they got booked for that like, I think props get you booked basically yeah, props get you booked. <laughs> so, but also I mean there, there was one where Silva ran over into the kind of motorised uh, yeah. stretcher thing stole a, a yeah. stole a car pretended yeah. to drive it 
And okay, they weren't actually going anywhere, but <laughs> technically, four players piling into that, not knowing what they're doing, they could have damaged it, and that could actually <laughs> cause some harm yeah. to a player if they then get injured. Setting a bad example, like there's, a, there's a, you know, a bit of a problem with crime in Argentina, and like you know, young kids <laughs> seeing Carjackings, their yeah. favourite player steal a car in front of you know eighty thousand yeah. people is it's a bad influence, yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, no, it's it, it, it's it's thoroughly ridiculous, very silly. And whilst I don't condone yellow cards for having a bit of fun like Gio and Dale did yeah. it's um, a shame Stebbers not here because he was um, yeah, he was going nuts about it on, on Twitter really? and we, we know he's very much against uh, these kind of celebrations um, and, and I think he raised a good point some of them yeah okay like maybe you know running into the car or whatever was quite funny but these ones where they're, they're so pre-prepared with props and everything it does for me it does take a little bit away from the you know like everyone's favourite celebrations are like Tardelli in 1982 or whatever you know like just Maradona in 94 right yeah. raw <laughs> that's my personal favourite <laughs> right with a bit of Café Veloz or whatever um, but yeah when they're, when they're so prepared and you, you sort of lose a bit of the I don't know the impact of the celebration I think yeah, yeah like, I found this one a little bit too contrived I mean uh, I think it was just because you know the Colombians were back there was, this was kind of the I understand the, the, the it plot. would have been a lot better if it was a nicer goal than a penalty. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, yeah. I think Pesotti was punishing them more for that, for the fact it wasn't a very nice goal. Could have been, yeah. yeah. In fact, right after it happened, the um, the English couple who I took to the game got a very impressive demonstration of Argentine football stadium swearing from the man just behind us in, in Pesotti's general direction. I was, having to, uh, I was trying to translate the insults word for word and uh, it got some laughs. So I stopped doing it because he realised that we were laughing at him. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't a he wasn't a very um, popular man in wrestling on on Saturday, Sota. which is you know strange for wrestling because usually yes. we're in favour of the refs. <laughs> we don't think they they uh, they harm us at all. No, absolutely, of course not. That's not <laughs> very out of character. We're gonna put the microphone down for a minute now, and then we'll come back for Mystic Dan. Okay, Mystic Dan is going to do... Have you got both rounds already? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Excellent. So we've now got two rounds coming up um, for reasons that we'll explain fully in a few minutes' time. But for now, Dan, take it away with your round seven predictions. Okay, um, so I've got Belgrano to beat San Martín de San Juan um, away. All boys to win at home against Banfield, which probably means Banfield will win their, their first game of the season. <laughs> Olimpo, Godoy Cruz, draw. I've gone for Tigre to beat Arsenal. San Lorenzo to beat Rafaela. Uh, I've gone for Independiente to draw with Colón. The Sharks to beat the Hippos. Uh, I've gone for Estudiantes to draw with Argentinos. Racing to beat Union away. And Newells to draw with Vélez. Do you want me to go straight on to the next round? Yeah, Dan's round eight predictions. Okay. Banfield Olimpo draw. Arsenal to beat All Boys. Colón to beat San Martín de San Juan. Boca to beat Estudiantes. Belgrano to draw with Lanús. Vélez to beat San Lorenzo, Racing to draw with Newells, Uruguay Cruz to beat Unión, Argentinos to beat Tigre, and Rafaela to beat Independiente. The reason that there are two rounds predicted there in the go is that um, there won't be a hand of pot in the first half of next week, because for some reason that I'm not at all sure about, and I'm slightly annoyed about actually, the AFA have scheduled a week in midweek for next week, uh, around from Tuesday to Thursday. So next week's Hand of Pod, if we do do one, will probably be recorded during that Rafael Independiente game on Thursday night, if anything. 
and I'll try and get it online for Friday morning because the ninth round then kicks off on that following <laughs> Saturday um, or Sunday in fact is that I'm Sunday Monday yeah. football yeah. fest it's, it's most <laughs> irritating because the previous midweek rounds so far this year have all been because there hasn't been a round on the weekend previous due to the elections um, I can't quite work out why they're doing this I'm very irritated well, by it there will be, a be lot elections of work. at some point in October Maybe there will be yeah but but it's Get not. Them out of the way now. But I think they're doing a midweek round after those as well. That's the, because there are at least we've had one already midweek round. There's this one next week, and then I think another two afterwards. Like one could be because of the international games coming up. Possibly. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, those will be on Saturday. So one's the international break, the other's the presidential elections. But why this one next week is happening? Just to get out of the way, I guess. They have to. Because they're idiots. Is what I'm going to say. <laughs> Try and use a little bit of logic here. Yeah. Because. In this a way, is the Apple we're talking about. Of course, yeah, as much logic as you can give to them, I'm sure it wasn't their thinking. No. With the international games, they won't be able to do a midweek because obviously there's one yeah, game on one Saturday, one on Wednesday. One on Friday, one on And Tuesday, also yeah. on the 28th, we've got the Brazil Argentina, you know, Super Classico revenge match. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's it's just to make up for it now because for the next couple of midweeks, they won't be able to do it. Can we look at that? Hopefully, I'll get done. Yeah, I, I'm still not happy with it. But yeah, that's not assuming that they've thought like three weeks ahead. Yeah, which yeah, <laughs> very much doubt it. But if I was kind of a logical man, right, which I'm not, I share right. that with uh, Vandona. Yeah, that's how I would. One of the things it does mean is out. is that I'm having to write previews for round eight tomorrow, before round seven's even two days away. Um, it's gonna be great fun guessing the suspensions. Well, it is. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, I, I get to send them an update on Sunday night after everything's right. been played around seven to update them on things like suspensions, but um. It's bloody irritating, especially as I only found out it was happening yesterday. Well, we can probably so. do a couple of them now. We, I'll probably say uh, Raquelme is going to be injured for the midweek matches. Yeah. Um, as well. For run as well. Uh, Lucas Leach, Leach just probably suspended. Maybe Tail will get like a double yeah. yellow for um, Schiavi, celebrations. Yeah. Schiavi <laughs> yeah. must be suspended because it's been a while since he's been sent off. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to be ra- close to racking up five, five yellow cards. Exactly. Um, so there's something for you to go on. We do have a couple more questions as well, which I'd like to get in because they're both quite good ones, actually. Um, Who would win? (laughs) 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 Yeah, if anybody does want to send us any more of those questions um, in the future, please don't. (laughs) Um, First of all, Ralph Hanna, uh, a good friend of all of us, Paraguay Ralph on Twitter, um, is asking us... His name was actually Paraguay Ralph. Well, yeah, I, th- I think he's thinking about having it changed by, <laughs> by default. I'm always a little bit surprised that I would have thought there'd be a lot of competition for the name Paraguay Ralph. <laughs> Funnily enough, no. Um, but yeah, he's, he's first of all, he's, he's teaching us something. Actually, he's teaching us uh, two things. The first is that Paraguay have decided to limit foreign players to four, four per team as of next year. And the second thing he's teaching us is that Argentina already do that, which I know that you claim to have already known English, Dan, but I bloody didn't. Do we think it's beneficial beneficial for the national team? I don't know if we can talk about it too much for the national team because obviously the whole of Argentina's squad plays plays away. Mm. I'd say... But then there's a reason that they're abroad because they've had the chance to come up through teams of course, in this yeah. country. But yeah, I always wonder would it, would it affect kind of the youngsters coming through if, say, we had a situation like in Europe where, say, all kind of Colombian, Paraguayan, Uruguayan kids could come to come to Argentina and take the spots of say these youngsters I don't I say, think it would be that much we should say it's, it's happened once or twice I mean for instance Radamel Falcao Garcia um, signed for River Plate when he was 14 or 15 yeah. so it's not that it's 
unheard of, but it obviously definitely happens far less than, than yeah. it does in yeah, England. I think, it would, yeah, I think it sort of sorts itself out in the case of Argentina because the, 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 the league is not rich enough to, you know, yeah. to buy dozens of these, these type of players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most teams will have a couple of them and, and, and that's all sort of thing. I don't Although, think... I do think if you did, if you took away this limit in Argentina, you'd see a lot more, say, you look around the, you look around the league and you've got a lot of kind of decent Paraguayan and Uruguayan players who come over, obviously, it's very close, the distances are yeah. much smaller. If they did take away the limit, you could imagine a lot of kind of second tier, say, Paraguayan and Uruguayan players coming in to fill teams like um, Arsenal, like, say, Banfield, like, All Boys, these kind of players, because, mm-hmm. you know, in instead of these younger players. Yeah, yeah. It would be kind of a similar, similar thing you, you had in England when they took away the the five foreigners rule or wherever it was where you saw a lot of kind of Norwegians come in and these kind of players uh, for now it's beneficial I'd say I'd, I'd agree in that it, it allows uh, players obviously to yeah. as I've already said in fact to, to get more first team experience and yeah I mean in, in some ways I, I definitely think that there's something to what this debate happens very frequently in England where obviously there's a lot of talk about the kind of stuff to sort of bring in these sort of limits in, in the Premier League and how yeah. that would benefit the England side I think there's something to be said for it it's, yeah. it's very hard to do in, in Europe as well with obviously EU employment law coming into play as well but I definitely think that it's, it's undeniable that if you gave more English players experience for Premier League clubs yeah, okay, the standard of the Premier League would <laughs> plummet because you'd end up yeah. With it being filled by English people, then you know, God, who wants to watch England playing every bloody week? But um, yeah, I mean, the, the players over time would, would definitely improve it, in my opinion. The other question is from John Allison, who's a fellow expat in Buenos Aires, as far as we can gather anyway from his Twitter profile. He's he's tweeted all of us a fair few times. Um, his at on Twitter is JPA two one zero six eight eight. If anybody wants to. Um, to follow him and he's asking and this is one for Dan I think really uh, Cholo Simeone's defensive tactics limiting racing because with Gio and Teo they could score more goals yeah I think that's a fair point up to uh, up to a certain level and I think now that Gio is back because we have to remember he's been back for one and a quarter games only uh, we will see Simeone kind of loosen the leash a little bit and, and let them play I think with Simeone as a coach he's a master of of kind of directing, of managing what he's got, he um, he definitely tailors his tactics around what is in what is in the squad, what is in the team, and what we've basically seen from Racing, especially before Gio came back and when Teo's been you know suspended or on international or both, mostly bad football. Mate, yeah, <laughs> if you'll forgive me for saying. Yeah, like a very very strong defence, which is something novel in Racing, and we're not really used to it, but kind of a lack of imagination going forward but now I think what Simeone wants to play with Gio in the team which seems about right he wants to play basically a 4-2-3-1 with um, mm. Pelletieri and Jacob holding the, holding the midfield and Castro or Auche uh, Toranzo and Gio kind of as the offensive midfielders and then Theo playing as a solitary forward which I'm not the biggest fan overall of a solitary forward because I think you know, two two forwards going against two markers always kind of disorientates them a bit more. But if those, if that kind of front four can can click and start playing well together, then the goals will come. We saw in Olimpo there was a hatful of chances. The 
the goals will come. I have, yeah, I have to say that having been there on Saturday and having, I know that you mentioned him uh, a fair while ago actually, Dan, it might have been this season or it might have been the tail end of last season, but it was the first time I've seen him in the flesh that I can remember at least. Lucas Castro really yeah. impressed me. Yeah, he's Obviously he was overshadowed by Gilles' comeback yeah. and, and everything, but it, he looked really lively. He misplaced a couple of passes and, mm. and you know, wasn't fully in it, but he's really promising for the future. Definitely, and he was very impressive last year as well with uh, Gymnasio's him as well as Awid, who mm. is in wrestling as well now, more yeah. of a substitute, very good subjects to have. Very good player, like he, he likes to run direct, he can beat a man, kind of knock the ball past him, and he's got a bit of a brain on him as well. And he's shown in the first six games of this season that he could definitely like uh, spark up a partnership with Teo. Absolutely. So, yeah, he's a, a brilliant acquisition, really. Yeah, and, and sorry, Australian, Daniel. No, I was just going to say, like, pretty much similar to what Dan was saying. Like, I mean, that, having a solid defensive basis and when you've got these one or two creative players and a goal scorer like Teo I mean having a solid defensive base is only going to help you yeah, yeah. I think we all watch uh, Racing quite a lot in uh, Clausura and there was no question that they had the attacking potential but the defence too often was an absolute disaster and yeah. Simeone knows if you keep a clean sheet you're guaranteed at least a point like yeah, and it's the right way to go go that thing it's almost like you can compare a little bit to Mancini with Manchester City in that like firstly set up the, the defence and you know he, he was criticised and, and so forth for that but mm. once you bring in all these yeah. you know, attacking players uh, they're, they're going to score regardless you know? yeah. Like, mm. so yeah, yeah. And, and in fact it's it's something that I said just uh, a couple of weeks ago before Gio made his comeback against all boys with that substitute appearance was that really so far Simeone's had to get together a team with a way of playing and a way of winning points yeah. knowing scratch, yeah, well. and also knowing that there's almost no point in working really hard on a long term attacking system because Gio's coming back in the sixth round yeah exactly and therefore working really hard on getting Toranzo as the main playmaker or whatever when you know that he's right. going to be discarded as such after five matches well not discarded so, but he'll move to a kind yeah, of second exactly. position he'll be the Erviti to Moreno's Riquelme if you like that's a very nice analogy when you finally managed to get it out yeah, yeah. That was right. but I think if we can use another animal in that analogy uh, I'd like to compare Racing to say um, a herd of wildebeest hmm. so we saw at the start kind of they were very um, within themselves they kept in a in a tight formation they didn't really kind of venture out they weren't spectacular but once they're provoked once they get going and they start stampeding <laughs> there's not many teams that can kind of stand being in the way of them and it's almost as if Gio is the graceful antelope in the middle of this herd of wildebeest yeah. so somehow remaining unharmed of course I don't know in, if in you know Kruger National Park uh, an antelope would have much chance in a stampede of wildebeest but definitely in terms of our and analogy a lot of people will have seen it but you should check out uh, the YouTube video uh, I think it's called the Battle of Kruger Park where we see a, a, a team of wildebeests take on yeah. crocodiles and lions and that's pretty much what we'll be we won't give away the ending but you, know, you should check it out yeah. on YouTube or maybe put it up on the on the site or just watch wrestling for the rest of the apertura and you'll get the gist yeah. exactly Cholo Simeone then would be the um, god I've forgotten his name the baddie from the Lion King he's stalking the touchline in a black suit Scar Scar that's the one yeah. Simeone is definitely um, a very well dressed Scar yeah yeah I think that's all we have time for at the moment. I think we've covered everything that we want to talk about this week. We do apologise for the lack of Seba in the studio with us. Studio. What am I talking about? This <laughs> <laughs> English, English dance bedroom. Yeah. We're not. Um, yeah, I should also actually say we had a, a comment on the Hand of Pod blog today um, asking us whether we could uh, get some more microphones to share around rather than using just the one because it would help the sound quality. We're obviously aware of that, but um, Hand of Pod 
uh, not a professional radio show or anything. We're, we're a self-funded podcast. If anybody would like to make any donations to Handapod, then we do promise to invest, uh, use them to invest in some microphones. It definitely Although I'm not quite sure how we'd set up multiple microphones <laughs> using this one dictaphone. But we can work out a way around that. Yeah. Anyway, if anybody wants to send us money, please do. Contact me on Twitter and I'll we'll give you my PayPal account. Details. Account. Yeah. Yeah. And um, promise, absolutely promise that it won't go on for that. Okay. No. Absolutely. Of, of any brand name because we're completely un. Um, sponsored. Yes. We're, we're unsponsored and as such we're unpartisan when it comes to furnace. As long as you don't buy the crap stuff made by uh, Capri or what's the other really horrible one? Bitone. Anyway, ladies and gents, we'll leave you now for another, well, a week and a bit. As we say, next week's is likely to be recorded on Thursday. Australian Dan, say goodbye to the nice people. We'll see you next week for more Animal Chat. English Dan. Always a pleasure. Talk to you next week. And from me, likewise. Ciao for now. (laughs) 